Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, to the podcast here, run by one and only Father Nathan Goebel. Hello. And myself, Father John Neppel. Good to be with you right now. A couple of uh, warnings here in advance before we begin this topic. First off, uh, Goebel might pass out at any moment. And the reason for that is, yep, my feet are right in front of him. Yeah. So <laughs> I've had my foot in a cast or a boot for the last um, month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do take showers, but the boot was getting pretty gnarly. Do and you the, do you shower with the boot on? No, I take the boot off. Do you actually wash the feet that the boot is in? I do. Okay. No more questions. This is public stuff. Oh, my gosh. The um, And so we're airing out the boot right now. It's getting Febrezed because... Uh, because it's like 70 degrees outside in Colorado, even though it snowed this weekend, and we got the snowpocalypse coming. Coming this weekend. This, up, this upcoming weekend. So 16 inches on Sunday. Nothing like Boston, though. Nothing. It's insane what's going on out there, officially listeners. We are sorry if you don't have electricity or power. Some did people you, can't go out their front door. Did you see snow. those videos of people jumping out their windows into like eight-foot snowdrifts? And then the, the mayor had to come out and actually make a public announcement saying, Please Stop don't. doing this. This is really stupid. Um, you're endangering yourself. It's That's like, crazy. It sounds fun, though. It actually looked pretty sweet. Yeah. The other thing I want to tell you, uh, Father Nathan, before we begin, is uh, I got a package in the mail today. You did? <laughs> yeah. What, what could it possibly be, John? It was a package from Glenwood Springs, Colorado. Um, so, does Lajoie listen to this? I don't Sometimes, think so. I yeah. Well, Father Joseph maybe for his Maybe for his Lenten penance. And Father Jason Wunsch, um, who... Uh, does listen and um we went up to visit these guys uh, up in the mountains on sunday night and i was thinking to myself i'll bring my laundry because i can't do laundry or they could but it would take me like eight hours so i bring it all up and um go for a drive with father brian larkin go to a coffee shop and said guys can you grab uh just grab my laundry on your way out no problem we got it and we're about what you want to finish the story 20, yeah, 20 you're minutes you're leaving out home. a lot the fact that you hovered <laughs> Like, I don't know how to do laundry. He's, like, watching me put in things. And, of course, he has, like, these, like, ice cracker shirts. <laughs> ice breaker. Nut cracker shirts. <laughs> and uh, they're made of, like, pure virgin's wool. Um, and it's, like, you couldn't you couldn't possibly put them in the dryer for any amount of time. But then I was with somebody the other day and said, oh, yeah, definitely don't put wool in the dryer. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, I guess I don't know how to make... I, I guess I don't know how to wash wool camisoles. So I don't know. <laughs> so the uh, I really appreciated Father Nathan yeah. doing my laundry. So then cause... he's hovering, he's hovering, <laughs> and like I wanted to make sure it was perfect, and you know everything else was fine. Gave it the special treatment, no worries. It was kind of a cramped space, so then I decided to to make sure that all the items had room to breathe, and so I put all of his clerics, every single piece of clerical clothing, that <laughs> which he was owned, every piece that I own, yeah, every piece that he owned in the closet at the end of the hallway, and I left it there. Now, in my defense, now I know Father Jason listens to this podcast, and I'm not blaming you, Jason. Okay, Stacy, I'm not blaming you, but. At one point, he went down in there, and I said, hey, would you double-check that room and make sure there's nothing else in there? Because I didn't sleep in that room. You I asked, slept in a different room. You asked the guy with ADD to do the double-check. I guess. The discount double-check. <laughs> and then, so then we get, we go through horrible conditions, like driving out of Glenwood. Glenwood was actually fine. Vale was a little hairy. 
Get over the Eisenhower. No, we weren't through Eisenhower. We, oh, it was over the Eisenhower Tunnel, through the Eisenhower Tunnel, and then we get to Idaho Springs, which is 40 minutes from Denver, having driven two and a half hours. And we realize. And Joseph texts and says, um, uh-oh, somebody left all their clerics here. <laughs> and I start laughing, and I and I said something, and John goes, you didn't leave my clerics, did you? <laughs> all of them. So I'm back in Denver. <laughs> With no clerics, I'm on one leg. He's like he's like throwing this temper tantrum in the car, and I'm just sitting back there laughing. The laughter didn't help with the extreme anger. It didn't help, but there was nothing I could do. Yeah. I mean, I felt I felt remorseful. I mean, I I did everything. So Lejoie shipped them to me today. I've been wearing my suit. I actually have a dress vest and fancy clerics, but dress I was vest. in a I was at Fat Fat Tuesday night in a bar with my RCA class. And I'm wearing, like, decked out. They just must think. To the nine Priests just always look like this. So He is a man of the Jamelli. Of the Jamelli. So the clerics are back, and thanks for doing my laundry. You're welcome. With that in mind, marital strife, as we talked about, we move to the topic of today. Ba-da-da-da-da. This is one I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I think that you have as well. And we're going to do f- Hope to Spare, but we're just going to kick it back a week or two. Why not? Why not? So... We will come back to that. Faith Doubt came out today. We are now into Lent, and uh, we're talking about annulments today. Yep. Annulments are one of those things that um, people really don't understand um, and that we're not doing a good job teaching about Mm -hmm. because what they look like as the Catholic version of divorce. Yep. Right? You pay a certain amount of money, and you get your Catholic divorce, and the church says, great. Takes a lot longer. Takes a lot longer. Yeah. And uh, so the hope of this podcast is that it will help people understand, A, why do we have annulments, and then B, how do the actual annulments work? The reason I'm doing this is because I all of a sudden have uh, seven cases that I'm working on, um, which is crazy, because I've never had a long formal annulment case in my three years, just uh, what we call lack of form, and I'll explain what that means in a second. All of a sudden, I have seven big dogs, So, and some of the people working with are listening and they're awesome and they've been great sports going through this because in my opinion there's nothing worse than having the annulment conversation with a non-catholic okay so let's say a catholic girl wants to marry a non-catholic guy but he's previously married okay he has to get an annulment right i think that's literally the hardest thing for me to explain because they look at you like you got a third eye coming out of your forehead that Be- he, since he's not in the church, since he's not a Catholic, he's got to get. He it. has to get it. And all yeah, that. that I think that is literally if there, if I could say this is the thing I I hate explaining the most because it's it's just like I'm speaking another language, you know. Yeah, that's what it is. And I'm currently working on six of those right now. Whoa! But some of them are in RCA, so they're like, we want to be Catholic, we want to be faithful, you know. Yeah. So I'm thinking about them. I was doing a little more research in canon law today uh, as we were working on this stuff and. Um, I want to present the, my findings because I know how much you love it when I research. Topics. Share the fruits with us, John. So <laughs> let's start at the beginning. If a someone... very good place to start. <laughs> Ugh. What? God. Are you going to go all the way back to the beginning? No. Let's go to. Here's my first question for you. And you're you're fresh out of seminary, so you know all this stuff. I'm old and broken down here with my busted leg. Pretty much. Smelly feet. Will you please tell them what? Yeah, they stink. <laughs> yeah, there's still iodine on my toes. Why do they have to put so much iodine on before surgery? To protect you from getting staph infections? Ah, that's a good reason. Um, Will you please tell them what uh, Father Andrew Kimberling said to you? 
how do I say this? In I thought charity. Was, uh, if you don't want to, well, I'll just say it. So, one of our favorite priests in the diocese, yeah, uh, is also one of the largest priests in the diocese. How does that sound? And uh, he was giving me health advice, and his main point was like, you need to stop doing everything active because this is how you're going to end up. And um, so it was a very interesting conversation. And then you told him. He's like, you need to give up that skiing and hiking stuff. And he's like, and you're, or else you're going to end up like that. And he said, I'm doing. I got this surgery so I can ski and hike more. Right. Exactly. Yep. Different priests, different styles, I could say. Different strokes for different folks. So, um, Nathan Goebel, if someone was to ask you, why is there even law in the Catholic Church whatsoever? Isn't law a civil thing? Why, why is there any sense of law whatsoever? For example, I had these Catholics, they had this practice at my parish where you could have as many godparents as you wanted, hmm. right? Canon law says one godmother, one godfather, or just one. One. So they say to me, I can't believe you changed this tradition. My five older kids have had this, and now my youngest can't because you young priests and all your rules. Yeah, how dare you? Canon law. What, what, what's going through their mind is that why does law have anything to do with me as a Catholic? Thoughts on that? Well... Ultimately, the law is for your good. It's for our good. You know, it's promulgated for the sake of the common good. And so the church has been charged with governance as she has been charged with sanctifying and teaching. Um, So part of her ministry of governance is an extension of her presence on earth as, as the body of Christ. So then we have laws and rules that help us to attain our good. And the church actually has the power to grant even dispensations from the laws, but certain laws cannot be um, dispensed from. In particular, like, um, you can only marry one woman at one time. Um, So that that would be divine law in a way, right? Right. Um, But also sacramental law, and that's not just a question of, well, could you dispense with that? Like, we we don't really want to, you know, wait six months to get married, but I've been married before. It's like, well, yes, we can dispense you from waiting the eight-month period, you know, with with the bishop's permission or the church's permission, but we can't dispense you from, you know, your six former wives. I don't know. Does that get at it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that gets at it. Um, I was thinking because we're human beings, that would have been my answer. Oh, um, but that was much more in depth. Sorry, no, that was good. The um, yeah, because of anytime you have humans doing anything together that they try and organize, there's going to be an element of law, right? We call it positive law, but the church's law, like you were saying, is rooted in natural law and in divine law. So when God creates, he or- he organizes and orders things. Mm-hmm. And human beings, having an intellect and will, have the ability to do the same thing. So basically, the church is fully divine, fully human. It seems to me that because she's fully human, there has to be an element of law. That doesn't mean that the law is arbitrary, but it means that it it, it is required for the sake of organizing humans. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, because I kind of base my answer off you know what Thomas talks about is what is a law. Right. So it's promulgated for the sake of the common good. By a legitimate authority. Yeah. Is there anything Perfect. else? No, that's good. Um, so we so need the, to move on from this quick, though, because we have 
we haven't even got to know him. But then so. the, the the church is the legitimate authority. Right. She is the legitimate authority. And so in regard to sacraments and governance and you know relationships and people and states of life and all of those things, she is the legitimate authority and it's her duty to provide structure. Like mm-hmm. we were talking in Craig a long time ago, I don't know if you remember that. But both of us were like, oh, there's no way we would ever want to study canon law. Mm-hmm. And Father Mike Rapp um, said the canon law is kind of like having a spinal column or like vertebra- or vertebrae or ribs. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you don't, if you take that out, like it's not going to be supported. But who wants to study that? I mean, right. there are certain people that really enjoy that kind of thing. Right. But other people like to, you know, do other that's right. Facets of theology. That's right. And I think that's yeah. a good, actually a good analogy. You have to have the structure. Right. And the authority is legitimate. You know, so that's one a lot of the reason why people don't like laws because they just we just don't believe the Catholic Church because there's a bunch of angry white celibate men in Rome who are trying to destroy, I don't know, women, everybody, you know. Fun. Fun. So moving on to annulments. So that's why uh, annulments only make sense if that if you have that understanding of of law as is essential to the life of the church. Right, mm-hmm. we have to have that, and there has to be some kind of competent authority. With that being said, J.D. Flynn taught us in class: mm. annulment decrees are not infallible. They're not infallible. Not infallible. Okay. So an annulment is hmm. actually what we call a declaration of nullity. Yeah. And the key word there is null. What we're looking for is did the marriage actually never happen, that it was null. It, it never took, so to speak. We did everything right. We thought we were saying everything right. We wanted it, but it, the marriage never actually happened. If you declare a marriage null, then that person is free to marry. Let's say you know somebody is uh, married when they're young, and then they get divorced, and then, but that person's still living. The spouse is still living. So in the eyes of the church, they're still married to that person until the the marriage is declared null, that it never took, right? Then um, you're still married on the church. And the, and the church presumes the validity, right? right? Presumes that a marriage is valid until it's proven to be null. Yeah, even if there's like a lot of contributing factors that would say, wait a second, this right. does not sound good. Provided it's not like something easy and you're going to go through the cases, right? Like, yep. But... I mean, you're just like, oh, they were cheating on me before, they were cheating on me after, and like they never wanted to have kids, blah, blah, blah. We still say it's a marriage until proven otherwise. Right, we need to prove it otherwise. And the way we do that is through a legal study that yep. we call the, the annulment case. Um, so I think that's the first thing to understand. This is not Catholic divorce. Yep. This is a study, a legal study at the moment of the marriage to say, did you and your spouse actually enter into a marriage or was it null? Yep. It never took... First, oh, you got something to say? Go yeah. Ahead. So the difference—the difference in terms of divorce and the difference with annulments—that I found helpful is that some people say we got a divorce. Okay, you went down to the courthouse, you had the lawyers, whatever else, and you both physically and civilly separated. It's an action that you did. And then people will also say, "I got an annulment." Well, okay, you were granted an annulment. It's, it, yes, you asked for it, but what are you asking for? You're asking for the competence of the church to judge your case. Right. And they're not saying, like, okay, we gave you an annulment just like we gave you a divorce, meaning, um, you know, you paid enough money and now you're, you're free. It's also, we looked into the case to see whether or not from the beginning, to judge from the beginning, 
was this formed? Was the bond formed? Mm-hmm. Because if it wasn't, as we rehear in the scriptures, what 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 God has joined, man must not separate. And then it's like, well, is the church separating you? No, you were never joined from the beginning. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now the, he means the, exactly because I was right. One of the first questions that come <laughs> up is is to somebody who maybe is in the situation is to say, then are my kids invalid? Are they bastards? Right. Or, you know. Yeah. And the answer is no. no. The church refers to a null marriage with children as a punitive marriage, which means that you it was celebrated in good faith under the understanding that we thought we were married, right? Yes. And now it's hindsight that we can look back and say, because of these reasons, we have we can make a legal case to say that it actually never happened. But that doesn't mean that the kids are not right because legitimate. Are you going to go through natural versus sacramental marriage? We need to, yeah. Because, I mean, they joining themselves in marriage um, and say they did it at a civil ceremony or right. something, there's still a natural marriage there. Mm-hmm. But it's not protected by the indissolubility of a sacramental bond. I think that's that, only dissolvable by death. That is, that is exactly true. And the reason, um, one of the reasons why there's so much law on marriage is because... Marriage is the only sacrament that's elevated from the natural level, right? Yeah. Where we actually say sure. two, two hippies go get married up in Chautauqua State Park, uh, they enter into a union, into a bond that we recognize yeah. if they're not baptized, or I should say if they're not Catholic. Mm-hmm. So this is where it gets tricky. Yeah. There's So the church recognizes natural marriages, and but Catholics can't get a natural marriage. And the reason for that is because they are held to the Catholic form. Mm-hmm. So the only people who can't go up into Chautauqua and get married reading, I don't know, you know, uh, what was the name of that Sufi mystic that we used to read? Oh, yeah. Uh, My cornfields are burning. <laughs> oh. so, uh, uh, Rufus? Ru- Rumi. Rumi. Rumi, yeah. They, Rumi. they do a reading from Rumi and then they write vows and I don't know, you know, something like that. You can't do that as a Catholic because... You can't live at the sacramental. You can't live at the natural level. Right? Why? Can you give a good explanation of why? Why they can't? Why they can't uh, procure a natural marriage? Why they can't just do what everybody else does? Why do we say to them you have to be married? You know, and we say the same thing for. Uh, I mean, it kind of goes along with it. But you know, if a Catholic marries a non-Catholic, the children have to be raised Catholic. They're bound by the same form. Right. They're bound by the same rule. Why? Because basically when you get baptized, you belong to the church. Yeah. And the promises. I mean, that's kind of what I what I say. Like, you took solemn promises. Your parents took solemn promises. Right. Um, I had a guy say to me before, like, are we going to get in trouble if the kids aren't raised Catholic? You know, what if we just default on this? And I'm kind of like, look, I don't know. But if you make a solemn promise and you default on that... God doesn't look too kindly on it. Right. And the promise is everlasting life. Right. I mean, we kind of think, oh, the Catholic Church, they're binding us. They're making us do all these things. They're such fuddy-duddies. <laughs> We're giving you the opportunity for eternal life, right. you whiny little shit. <laughs> Sorry. It's That's true. probably like the third time I've ever cussed on the podcast, but that was worth it. That was. <laughs> it would have been a letdown if you said fuddy-duddy again. So that that is correct. The... Um, and so one of the main um, 
problems is trying to help people understand what is marriage. And as a Catholic, we have a totally different understanding of what marriage is than on a natural level, right? Mm-hmm. We really we believe that, and, and even non-Catholic Christians uh, would not say this. We're the only ones who say this is a sacrament, which means that your marital love actually becomes the source, uh, a source of God's grace, right? Your love and your marriage becomes a visible sign of God's invisible grace. That mm-hmm. is a crazy thing. Yeah. And nobody else says that. And um, and so one of the things that we have to realize is that, like, it's better. It's better to have a sacramental marriage, you know. Yeah. But if we think marriage is something we do because we like it, you know, and that goes into the whole question of what is marriage, which we don't have time to do right now. Maybe we'll do another podcast on that. A lot of people think that marriage is about a spiritual and emotional connection based on intensity, and it's not, right? The purpose of marriage is not to have a romantic and feel fulfilled purpose of marriage is the spousal self-gift that leads to children yeah. to new life right but anyways that's a whole nother whole nother podcast basically if you walk into my office and you say i was previously married and i'm now divorced what we're going to talk about is the annulment process which is what we're talking about today how do annulments work right it only took us 20 minutes to get here there's three kinds of ways that a marriage could be null number one form Mm-hmm. Number two, impediment. Number three, intention. Okay? Okay. Form and impediment are straightforward. Intention is the tricky one. Yeah. So we'll go through these. So a lack of form of annulment is, let's say, uh, a Catholic um, gets married outside of the Catholic Church. And, and even uh, in a Presbyterian church. In a Presbyterian church, in Chautauqua, whatever, right? And um, we say they broke form. So the, the lack of form demonstrates that the marriage was invalid, and it's super easy to demonstrate that. So you have a, what's called a lack of form annulment. It takes like, it's like a piece of paperwork, basically. Yeah. We need to just demonstrate that you did this, and yep. we can resolve that because that marriage was null. Yep. Now, if you are in one of those invalid marriages and you broke form, what we can do is call them a convalidation, yeah. make it valid, which is also called a marriage blessing. We do a lot of those as well if you want it to be recognized by the church. And if you're not living in a valid marriage, then you're not in communion with the church. And a lot of times what I tell people is I'll say, you know, what you did was you made a public sign that you wanted to reject the church. So in order to now come back into, because a lot of people have conversions and they want to come back to the faith, now we got to get rid of that public sign. And the way we do that is is we need to validate the marriage. Yeah, and sometimes people do it out of sheer ignorance. Yeah. You know, like, and there's probably a lot of people out there who could possibly be listening or their parents are listening or, you know, whatever. And they're, they're realizing, whoa, are you saying that it's not actually a marriage? We're saying that it wasn't done in the church. So you need to talk to your priest about like your state of, we just added a ton of work for a lot of people. Yeah. Our job is to help you. Um, and that's, that's what the priest is called. He's called an advocate. So anytime you enter into an annulment case, you have to have an advocate. And so like, I'm the advocate for these people. Um, so with, we do a lot of lack of form annulments. Those are easy, yep. right? And get those validated or get the, the declaration that says they're null recognized by the church, which then frees you to marry. Number two is one you don't see very often, which is um, impediments. So let's yeah. say you did something um, that you actually cannot enter into marriage. The simplest one would be if you're married already and you try and get married again, that's an impediment right, right there. 
But there's some other interesting ones. Can you think of any off the top of your head? Consanguinity. Consanguinity, which is? Shed blood. Yep. The uh, I actually had a couple freak me out the other day, and they said, they said um, how close a cousins oh, yeah. are we allowed to be? And I look at them, and I'm like, well, <laughs> because you can be. It's yeah. like, uh, it's, what is it, six degrees separation? Four degrees. Four degrees of separation. Which I believe is first cousins. No. I thought about that. I'm not allowed to marry my cousin, Kathy. <laughs> like, uh, Canon just... 1091 here. The, in the collateral line, marriage is invalid up to and including the fourth degree. Right. The impediment of... Okay. So it's like you count the degrees of separation from you. So like the first cousins is no go. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, no I mean, go. that makes sense on a natural level, people. <laughs> and if you are already enjoying these things, stop right now. That's right. Um, okay, here's a question for you. Okay, consanguinity. Yep. Uh, what else? So uh, if you're already Age. married, sacred orders. So if you try and go get married, right? You're to your, too young. To your cousin Kathy, which is an interesting. You'll thing. You'll have two impediments. Which is interesting because the uh, age thing, girls are allowed to marry earlier than boys. Mm. Really? Yeah, like girls are allowed to marry at like I think it's thirteen, and boys at fifteen. Uh, you can't get married if you've been abducted or at least detained with a view of contracting marriage. Right. That is, uh, and your captor. Until your captor's established a free and safe place. Okay, so that's an impediment right there. The funny Shoot, thing is, I got to talk to my sister Ashley. Yeah, public propi- propriety yeah. arises from an invalid marriage. Uh, so if you have public concubinage, that's an invalid marriage. Concubinage. Concubinage. Excuse me. Um, some of these are reserved to the Holy See too. Sometimes, like some of them, the bishop can resolve, and other ones, uh, bishop, we can't. Yep. Sterility. Yeah, that one's yeah. an interesting one. So, um, so if you and I just talked to a priest about this the other day because I just wanted to get another another uh, like second opinion. If you directly sterilize yourself prior to the marriage, and it has to be like, um, well, not has to be. Let me retract that. If you make some action on your body so that you render yourself incapable of of conceiving. Whether male or female, um, it's you can't contract the marriage yeah. because one of the promises that you make is: do you do you resolve to receive to to accept children lovingly from God? Okay, that can be dispensed with if I'm uh, dispensed if somebody's like ninety five yeah. and they're marrying the other lady from the from the nursing home. We're not going to ask that question because it it's improbable. Um, but if you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s and you've, you know, directly done something to yourself, which includes, um, you know, like devices of some sort, yeah. um, then you're you can't do it. So and I'm that's hard at- because because the it's not just about the fertility. It's also about the union. Yeah. You're not actually able, although physically you're capable of, of, and I think that's the distinction we need to make here. Um, Canon 1084 says antecedent and perpetual impotence mm-hmm. nullifies marriage, but sterility neither prohibits nor nullifies marriage. So Ster- I think I basically sterility. How do we say this in it? Like no, no, no. Like if you're if you're naturally barren, yeah, that's different from imposed you, sterility. So I think what they're calling impotence is an imposed sterility. Um. <laughs> Impotence and, is you don't have the power. Yeah, I understand what the Latin. <laughs> Boop. 
I'm just wondering what's the difference between sterility and impotence. Anyways, we don't really have time for this, so go talk to your priest if you have a problem on this. <laughs> um, that's uh, those are some of the impediments uh, that uh, will bind you and keep you null. You will not enter into a real marriage. Finally, we move to the last. Okay, the last topic. One. Okay, yeah. so um, the 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 typical long annulment case, which we call formal annulments, they have to go to a trial, uh, happen around intention. So the first one, lack of form, we got that. Impediments we just talked way too much about. And then thirdly um, is the intention, which means that the form looked good, there was no impediments, therefore the only way that this could possibly be proven null is if the intention itself was wrong. Which means I looked her in the eye, I said all the words, but something about what I was doing... Yep did not allow me to enter into that. Okay. That is the long annulment case that everybody hates and sweats out. They send you a 50 page questionnaire. It's not 50 pages, but it's really long. And you have to go back through all the details, get witnesses and uh, demonstrate a case. This is where an advocate is really important, right? Because I've had people in my family whose annulments have not gone through and it's the fault of the advocate oh. and because I think that there's evidence for it, but they just, whatever, it's a piece of paperwork, you seal in the church and sign it and send it off. Hmm. The advocate needs to help you to develop a case on one of the grounds of nullity. There are 17 different grounds Whoa. by which, I, I looked get, this up today. I gotta get that. Um, 17 different ways that a formal trial can be resolved in intention. Okay, now most of these we're never gonna see. This is my favorite one, error of person, Canon 1097. The physical identity of the spouse's intended spouse was mm-hmm. mistaken. Yeah. Wrong person. Yeah. I like that one. Um, but the main three, main four, no, this one's, oh, maybe it's ignorance. At the time of the wedding, a spouse did not know that marriage involved any one of the following. Permanence, partnership, procreation, sexual intercourse. That's a common one. I didn't know that part of marriage. I uh-huh. didn't, didn't know that happened. Lack of due reason. This is a very common one, too. At the time of the wedding, a spouse did not possess the intellectual ability to understand the basic nature of marriage and responsibility for his action. Lack of due reason. They were standing there looking you in the eye, telling you this is the case, but they didn't know, they didn't have the intellectual capacity to do it. Lack of due discretion. Basically, they didn't make a prudent decision. They didn't know what they were doing. They they thought, I know what marriage is, I want to do this for life, but they just couldn't prudently do it, right? Inability to assume the essential obligations of marriage for whatever psychological reason. So think about like if there's a lot of abuse um, in the past um, that maybe surfaced later into the marriage, there might have been psychological reasons that the the spouse was unable to live up to the responsibilities of marriage, right? I think those are probably the biggest four. Lack of due reason, lack of due discretion, inability to assume, and ignorance. Those are the main grounds. But here's the thing. When you fill out your long annulment, all you have to do is send it in. And the tribunal, which is the governing authority for the bishop, determines the grounds. Okay. If your annulment is denied, you can appeal directly and go to the next highest court, which for us would be Philadelphia. And above that, you go to the Roman Rota in Rome. Wow. But you don't want to do that. Or you can refile the annulment on different grounds. Or if you're a domicile in a different place, you can go there. And go through the annulment process again. The uh, what? What was the second one you said? You can. You can. Uh, you can, you can file on different grounds. On different grounds. What do you? What would the different grounds be? So let's say um, you 
your original one was uh, inability to assume the essential. But object. I thought you said they determine that they do. But then if you get a canon lawyer and say, or a priest advocate and say, we're going to do this one in due discretion or something like that. So you have to choose it. You don't do it. You don't the first time, but I'm presuming okay, if you wanted to, re- if you wanted okay, to appeal, okay. you could do it that way. Sure. Uh, but you'd probably want to talk to a canon lawyer in yeah. that situation. So basically the process itself of how an annulment works is it goes into a, a what's called a tribunal. Tribunal is just the governing judicial office of every diocese, every local church. And, and there's somebody called a vicar, uh, judicial, judicial vicar. vicar, who's a priest, canon lawyer, whoever sees it. But then you got a couple of other people, right? You have judges, you have advocate, I'm the advocate, or you're the advocate. You have a defender of the bond, right? You're looking at me like, when is this going to end? No, defender of the bond is the guy that, that he's like... Kind of the devil's advocate. Right? Yeah, he's saying, "Well, he's, I don't know about he's, that." You're the one. You're the one that's trying to prove the case that it was null. He's the one that's trying to prove the case that it is, mm-hmm. which okay. is good because sometimes spouses feel like, you know, especially spouses that say like, um, "I don't want an annulment" or "I don't think that they should get an annulment," and then the other person says, "Well, I want to try and see if we can get an annulment." At least they know on the tribunal there's somebody Somebody's that's saying. going to, and that's why I say, you know, you got to tell the truth. Yeah, you got to yeah. tell the truth. But it's important, and the advocate can help you to make a case, right? You're not trying to make your ex the bad the bad guy, but you can make a case for the reason why you believe this. One of the key things I always tell people is that you really need to believe in your heart that this is null, that this never happened. You can't do this just because you want to get remarried, mm. because it's just going to lead to more trouble. Mm-hmm. But you really need to believe that if I go through this process, that there will actually be some healing that will happen, and that um, I'm free even if it's determined no by the time you got the new person you're engaged to you're putting us all under a lot of pressure you know it's better it's better if you can kind of come to this earlier and say you know i really i'm not doing this for any other reason except that i'm convinced in my heart that this this was not a marriage Uh uh-huh does that make sense yeah so uh annulments are it depends on the tribunal but they're going faster these days one of the reasons they're so long is because you have an appellate court so the second ruling so let's say we do an annulment here, and they say affirmative, right? The that this was a null marriage has to be sent to Philadelphia for them to give a second ruling. They have to be in agreement. Really? That's why it takes so long. Oh wow! Now supposedly the rumor on the street is that Pope Francis wants to get rid of the second. Hmm, okay. We'll see. Who knows? We'll see. It's it's a pretty raloon. Uh, I think we can all say that. Part of the process is pretty antiquated. I've heard that from canon lawyers before. Uh, But nevertheless, it's a valid thing, and it's an important thing. And hopefully you have a good priest or deacon uh, who can help you along the way. That's the annulment process. Well, I'll tell you the analogy that I... Did I have I told you this analogy before? Give me your analogy. I was was sitting in an office once, and somebody asked me the question, and I was like, crap, I got to think quick on my feet. Because she was really upset, because she's like... This annulment's taking forever, and we're just going to go ahead and get married, and, like, why do we have to wait so long, and this is crap. And I said, all right, say that, like, you you meet this guy, and the guy seems really great, and you get along really well, and all of a sudden, like, you're talking and everything, and he just says, you know, oh, yeah, I was previously married. Okay, whatever. We're going to get married. And then eventually you get engaged, blah, blah, blah. But then he says to you, baby, I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I want you to come and park your car at my house. I've got a spot that's just reserved for my wife. Okay? I got one spot that's reserved for my wife. 
And she's like, that sounds great. I want to be with you forever, too. And she drives over there. And then all of a sudden, she's like, why is your ex-wife's car still there? And it's like, baby, I love you. It's no big deal. The car's still there. She's gone. I don't even love her anymore. It's like, yeah, we'll get her car towed. You know, I can't because we. I can only get married once. And so um, you're going to have to park on the street. So then what is, the, what is the church doing? Is the church coming with her tow truck and saying, all right, back it up. We're going to pull out your wife's car and then let you park wherever. They're going to actually investigate, is that spot taken? Yeah. You only have one, one sp- wife at a time. You only have one spouse at a time. So what the church is looking into, you may think, you may think that from the beginning you guys were together and so I have her responsibility like for the rest of my life. But then over time, you know, you guys separate or whatever else, but then you have to look back and say, was it there in the first place? And so I told her, I was like, you don't want him to look you in the eye and say, I will be with you for the rest of my life if he can't mean it, if he can't intend it, and he can't affect it because he still has a, a, a previous wife and we don't know if it's been annulled or not. As it turns out, they the, the I had this conversation with her. I was it was totally crazy. Then a week later, she got the paperwork. They had granted it. It had been like a year and a half or two years, uh, maybe even two and a half years. Um, and um, and then they granted it. They were married. They now have a kid. Great news. That's great. The main reason why it takes so long is because people send in the first thing the um, the initial questionnaire mm-hmm. and then they don't fill out the longer questionnaire which is the depositions and right. everything and, that, and if you wait and wait and wait on that yep. you just got to get on it you got to hit it put it together and then send it in yeah so that's probably why it took her a year and a half i think it's more like six months now we better go to shout outs though before we close baby, here baby, 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 baby. kelly ked waterman in new orleans do you know who that is Yes, you king got it. King cake lady. Yeah. She emailed us. Thank you for the king cake. And sorry, your shout out was delayed. My friends Leslie and Andy Amick down in Florida uh, said hello, and I said we will give them a shout out. And then lastly, I have, I have an antidote for you. Anecdote? This is from a guy named Andy Rankin. My wife once told me an antidote about... Anecdote. Whatever. About an encounter. Capacity. <laughs> about an encounter she had with a deacon at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish in Fort Collins. She was outside the parish hall conversing with two other moms. Uh-oh. All three moms were nursing babies <laughs> at that moment. The young deacon, apparently seeking community, community, approached and said, Even though I'm not lactating, may I join you ladies? I always thought it was funny, but I had no idea who the deacon was until I listened to this podcast. And my wife told me he's now Father Nathan Goble. Classic. And he says beaded ice is our preferred favorite as well. You are in good nice. company with Andy Rankin and his anecdotes. Anecdote. Anecdotes. What's his wife's name? Andy Rankin? Andy's the dude. I don't know the I wife's think name. I, know. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember their names. Sorry. Nice. Okay, but just so you know, <laughs> I'm really sorry. It's We got another thing of snail mail. We got two more snail mail letters. I got a letter, too. But I got a... It's over at the office, so... And we got more alcohol, too, which we're going to come back with next That's week. That's right. Ladies uh, and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you know anyone who's looking for... Um, kind of clarification on annulments. I would think this is a really good podcast. I hope I hope it's helpful. But now we got to go. Have you washed the iodine off my toes? Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com Like us on Facebook. As always, I'm Father Nathan Goble signing off. <laughs>